Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. If you are currently experiencing anxiety about anything in your life, or you have in the past, this message is for you. Who hasn't? Pastor Todd presents a simple, practical process to go through when you are experiencing anxiety about anything. Often we can make our situation appear worse by repeating a negative narrative about it. Sometimes we can be listening to the wrong voices, like the internet. Perhaps shame and guilt keep us from confessing things to God. Often we can get attention by repeating our anxiety story. It's called a victim mentality. If we are defined by our tragedy, our condition, our pain, what does that say about our role as a child of God? Pastor Todd is not discounting real tragedy or pain, but he is sharing with us a new way to see and describe our situation. How we see and describe our situation can shorten that experience. We can do it as Jesus does. Let's listen in as Pastor Todd helps us find a way out of our anxiety. There is victory available. Please listen in to the end for some important information. All right, are y'all ready to get into it? All right, today we're going to be a little bit on the interactive side, so I need you to participate with me in what we're going to do here today. Um, This is where I want to start it. I think part of every one of our walks is the fact that now and then we're a little stressed out. Now and then we get a little worried. Now and then we get a little anxious for what may or may not happen. So what I want us to do is be family and be friends today. Can we do that? Half of you said yes. How about the other half? Good. Awesome. So this is what I want to know by a show of hands. And I'm going to go through a list of things. So don't feel like if you didn't hit the first one, it's not coming around to you. And just be honest. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and tell me what it is. I just want to be honest. Hey, if you have some level right now going on in your life of financial stress, financial anxiety, anybody? All right, cool. If you have going on in your life right now, some level of health anxiety, a little fear, a little something going on with health. All right. If you have in your life right now, some level of stress or anxiety over a relationship that's in your life. Yeah, I'm not looking at your husband or your wife. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Here we go. If you have some level of stress or anxiety going on about your job, raise your hand. Cool. By the way, I don't raise my hand on that one. (laughs) If you have some level or stress or anxiety going on in your life about your children. Wow. Okay. All right. Now I want you to open your Bibles. Everybody grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. I want to get a Bible into your hand. I want to get a Bible into your hands. Just raise your hand. We'll give you a Bible. Don't let that bother you. If you need to keep that Bible, when they give it to you, keep it. If you got somebody you know that needs a Bible, you'd like to give them a Bible, take one of those and give it to them. When you get that Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of Philippians. Hey, what I'm going to do today, I think I'm going to be fairly brief actually, but what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you a very basic, simple tool a very basic, simple process to think about when you go through worry, when you go through stress, when you go through anxiety. I I want it to be kind of a practical day to where you would leave here and say, I'm going to give that a shot. It's going to make a difference in my life. So we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. 
<laughs> Some of you already know where we're going. Philippians 4, verse 6. I want you to read these first four words together with me. Be anxious for nothing. Awesome. Now all we got to do is go home. Because God has told us not to worry, not to be anxious, not to be stressed. So if, you, if he tells you to stop doing that, then stop doing that and we're good, okay? So if you guys would just stop stressing, stop worrying, stop being anxious and just believe what he says to do here, we're done. Are we good? All right, all right. Let's read on. But, but in everything by prayer. Now let me just talk a little bit basically about prayer. Prayer is a conversation that I'm having with God. I'm not having it with the air. I'm not having it with the heavens. I'm not hoping just to speak something. I'm having a conversation with God. It's called prayer. And he says, I want you to do that with supplication, by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is when in that prayer, I make my need known. It's when I say, God, this is what I'm praying about. This is what I think I need. This is the help I need. So in prayer and supplication, I'm doing that. And then it gets really hard because he says to do that with thanksgiving. Now, no offense, but we have a little bit of a dichotomy going on. I'm anxious, and now I have to do something with thanksgiving because typically when I'm worried and I'm stressed, my modus operandi is not thanksgiving. It's stress and worry, and anxiety. But he says, do it with thanksgiving, and let your request be known to God. Now, I want to show you something really cool about this particular scripture. The guy that wrote it is a man named Paul. Guess where Paul is when he writes the scripture? He's in prison, and it's not like today. It's not, you know, three squares a day, and, and a nice orange outfit, and in and out of doors. It is shackles, chains. I've been to the... Um, uh, the actual prison area at Philippi in the Bible. I've been over to the Holy Lands and actually gone and said, man, it's dank, if that's a word. Dank. It's dank. It's just, it's just a cold, dark, ugly rock place that they put them in and they shackled them to the wall. And here's Paul writing from prison. And this is what he says. Make your request known to God. Now, here's what I want you to do because I think we're Paul sometimes. And sometimes we're not Paul at all. Here's when we're not Paul at all. We're not Paul at all when we go to God to make our request known, and our request, hear me, is actually our whining. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I don't think Paul is sitting in a prison saying, God, the food is horrible here. God, the guards are just mean to me. Can't you make them nicer? God, you know, these shackles are making blisters. I hate these things. I think Paul is saying, here's my request, God. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. That's what I want to be out of prison so I can go back into ministry and move and flow. I'm not worried about the food. I'm not worried about the guards. I'm not worried about the shackles. I just want to be doing what you've called me to do. So what we end up doing when we get into stress and anxiety, and I'm going to say, I believe this is all of us. If you've conquered this, praise God. I'm working on it. But what we do is we take our fear, we take our worry, we take our problem, and we build a worst-case scenario around it to support that's even worse than we think it is. You know what I mean? You don't know what I mean. Okay, 
Here's what I think we do. I think sometimes with our very own words, we speak death to ourselves. You're meeting with somebody and they're worried, they're stressed. What are they saying? Isn't it a beautiful day today? Isn't the sun shining today? No, they're saying, oh, this is horrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is terrible. And what they're doing is reinforcing with their words how bad the situation is. And I think oftentimes we do a great job of making it worse than it actually is by what we say. (laughs) It's kind of like when you have to tell somebody, the doctor didn't say cancer, he said canker. It's a canker sore. Okay, so I think we go into maybe sometimes our approach supports it getting worse. I am so financially broke that I'm going to go to the movie today and watch popcorn just to give myself a break. I'm going to watch popcorn. I'm going to eat popcorn. (laughs) That cost $42, by the way. No kidding. It was $8 for a bucket of popcorn. $8. Anyways, our actions, our approach to the problem sometimes makes the problem worse. Sometimes, listen to me, you're listening to the wrong voices. Okay? If you have a pain right here, and you go onto the internet to webnet, web doctor, you'll come out with a tumor, sure enough. (laughs) You will, because you don't really know what's going on, but you're going to read a symptom that says, if there's a pain here, this one guy died of a tumor. Oh, I've got a tumor. No, you don't have it. Anyways, I think sometimes our expectations, ooh, this is big. This is big because we build expectations around problems. And we look at the future of the problem, and we rarely ever paint the future of the problem better than it is today. We paint the future. It's just going to get worse. And my car breaks down. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to not be able to pay my rent. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be in a ditch in two weeks. (laughs) It's horrible. It's terrible. I don't know what to do. Or maybe shame and guilt kind of keep us in this pocket of of not wanting to confess things to God and kind of hiding things and and just keeping ourselves. Here's what I'm saying. We got to quit doing that. Stop doing that. Listen, the, the percentage of opportunity for it to get better is actually better than the percentage of opportunity for it to get worse. Let me say that again, maybe clear. There's every bit of a chance that it's going to get better, and there's more of a chance that it's going to get better because God is your God than it is that it's going to get worse. So stop painting the negative scenario. It's not going to get worse, listen to me, unless it gets worse. Don't speak it to get worse. If it gets worse, we'll deal with it when it gets worse. But if it's not worse, don't start talking about how it could get worse. I mean, to some degree, I'm being kind. We become instant drama queens. We have a problem and we want to make it. Let me tell you, this is just the human condition. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying it's who we are. Listen, when you have a tragedy, watch. You have a story. When you have a tragedy, you have a story. And when you tell that story... The more tragic it sounds, the more attention, the more input, the more response you'll get from the people around you. So sometimes when we have a tragedy, we have a story, and that story gets input from other people, and so we make a tragic story. Mm. It's called the victim mentality. The problem with the victim mentality is you are not called to be a victim. You were called to be a victor. I want to consider this. If I'm defined by my tragedy, 
If all I want to talk about is the woe and the misery and the horror that I'm in right now, what does that say about who you are as a child of God? How can we present to the world the greatness of the kingdom of God if what we're speaking out is that we're not taken care of, that we're in misery, that it's hard, that it's terrible? Now listen, we will face storms. We will face tragedy. I'm not trying to discount anybody's tragedy. There are some major tragedies going on in this room right now. And I'm not trying to do what I'm trying to get you to see is that we got to use the tools that we have to fight this tragedy and get past it instead of get consumed and absorbed by it and fall to it. Now, let's go to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. I'm going to show you a very, very familiar story and let you see what God says about how to deal with anxiety. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to be in verse 35. If I went back into 2 and 3, this is what happened. Jesus is traveling around preaching. Uh, he's talking to a lot of people. He's going up on a mountain to pray. He's meeting with some other people. He's preaching. And then he spends this whole day telling these parables to this large group of people. And Mark 4, 35, if you got it, say, I got it. If you don't, say, Wait. 4.35, on that day when evening came, he, being Jesus, said to them, let's go over to the other side. What is he talking about? He is on one side of the Sea of Galilee, on the Gennesaret side, and he wants to go over to the opposite side. So he's telling them, we're done with today. Let's go over to the other side of the sea. Leaving the crowd, they, the disciples, took him, Jesus, along with them in the boat, just as he was, tired, and the other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus was there in the stern, asleep, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, don't you even care that we're perishing? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. Or maybe he said, hush, be still. I don't know. But he said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became per perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? So things I want to note about this quick story in here. Number one, Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. Do you think that the storm surprised Jesus? Do you think that when he decided to take them over to the other side, he had no idea that the wind was going to pick up and there was going to be waves and a storm? I don't think he did. I think he knew it was going to happen. I think he knew they were going to face a storm. John 16, 33. You don't have to turn there. These things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace because in this world you will have tribulation, but take courage because I've overcome the world. Watch this. To get to the other side, Where Jesus is sending you to get to the other side, sometimes you have to go through the storm. And sometimes he takes you through the storm. But he will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you when you go through the storm to get to the other side. So was Jesus teaching them a lesson? Anybody ever been taught a lesson by Jesus? <laughs> you know, I don't even need to preach on that point. If you've ever been taught a lesson by Jesus, you learned a lesson. 
Why was he asleep? Why did Jesus get in this boat, apart from preaching all day and being tired, I mean, he is the son of God, he could have kept himself awake, takes a cushion, lays down and goes to sleep. Let me tell you why I believe Jesus was asleep in this boat. I believe that Jesus was asleep in this boat because Jesus' kingdom was not the kingdom of this world. And in the kingdom that Jesus lives in, there isn't a storm. John 17, 14, Jesus says, I'm not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, he sleeps because he does not submit. Watch. He sleeps because he does not submit to the kingdom of this world. You see, where Jesus is sleeping, there's no storm. Where Jesus is sleeping, there's no fear because there's no fear in the kingdom that Jesus is sleeping in. There's no anxiety in the kingdom that he sleeps in. There's no worry in the kingdom. There is only faith in the kingdom that he sleeps in. So he can sleep because he has faith. Why? Because he has already said we're going to the other side. So is there any doubt we're going to get to the other side? No, because he's already said that. And that faith from them is we're going to make it to the other side. We don't have to worry about perishing. Jesus has already spoken that word. I'm going to get to the other side, even if I got to go through the storm to get there. Woo, come on. Okay, so how? How did Jesus calm the storm? We, We talked last week about those signs and miracles and wonders that I do. Who's going to get to do those also? Those who believe. If you believe, you will do these signs, miracles, and wonders. So if Jesus is in a boat asleep and they wake him up and say, what do we do about this sea? And he stands up to take care of it. I want to do what he does. Now watch this. He didn't get up and snap his finger. Because if he did, you and I would be snapping our finger all the time. That's what Jesus did. Let's snap our finger. Peace, peace. Thumpstorm. Ringo. I mean, we would become the best finger snappers around, man. We have, Nick's got the greatest snap, man. That boy can snap. He didn't get up and get into a solemn state of concentration. And the water became calm. He didn't do that. I know that because if he did, we would be standing around in these solemn states of concentration saying, storm, go away. He didn't reach his hand into the water and splash it and say, ah, break that wave. We're done with the waves because then we'd be wallowing around in everything that we have trying to figure out how to splash it so it would go away. It's not what he did. What did he do? He spoke to it. He spoke to the storm. Make your prayers and supplications known to me. He spoke to the storm. He spoke, uh, come on, Proverbs chapter uh, 18. Let's go to Proverbs 18. This This one is critical. So if you have a Bible, find a pen, circle this one in your scripture. This is where we're camping out for a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 18. I want to talk to you about how to deal with your anxiety and your storm because we want to do it like Jesus did it. 1820, Proverbs 1820. I will wait until everybody who is trying to get there gets there. Proverbs 1820. I'm going to show you something here that I hope changes your whole view. If you got it, say, I got it. 
If you don't, say, I'm still working on it. All right, I'm waiting for you then. I'm going to stand here and look at you until you get there. I see you. You're still turning. 18, you got it? Awesome. Watch this. Proverbs. Who wrote Proverbs? What was Solomon known for? Wisdom. You're about to read the wisdom of God because Solomon got his wisdom from God and Solomon wrote this down because God told him to write it down so that on this day in 2015, this church could look at it and learn something from it. Now watch. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. Now, let me tell you what that just said. That word satisfied, if you go back to the Greek and look at the meaning of that word, it is fulfilled. Satisfied in the way of there was a need, it got met, it got satisfied, the need got satisfied. So my mouth, what comes out of my mouth is going to be fulfilled. Let's read that again. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach, that place that needs to be satisfied, is going to be fulfilled. Now let's keep reading. He will be satisfied. He will be fulfilled with the product, with the product of his lips. Now watch. If the product that comes out of my lips is negative, then my stomach gets fulfilled with what came out of my mouth. I'm going to go read that scripture again. Okay, Bob? With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied or fulfilled. He will be satisfied or fulfilled with the product of his lips. Now, the scripture everybody knows. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And look at this last part. And those who love it. What is it? The power of the tongue. Those who love the power of the tongue will eat its fruit. And what is the fruit? What is the product? What I speak. What gets fulfilled? What I speak. So if I want to speak that the situation is getting worse, guess what? I'm going to be satisfied and fulfilled in that fruit of my lips and it will get worse. Why? Because I'm speaking it to get worse. What I'm coming out of my mouth is going to be fulfilled. So you're saying, okay, this is one of those big uh, Todd Mazingo, uh, psycho, silly, let's name it, claim it, speak it out. Let's be positive and everything will be great. No, no, I'm giving you a tool. And the only reason I chose this day for this tool, apart from God saying, choose this day for this tool, was this is the tool that I use. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You guys don't know this because you're not here during the week. But when it gets to me, when the anxiety comes on, where there's issues and problems, whether it be with the church or with my own personal life or my own thought life, whatever it is, you can come up here during the week. Nick does this too. And you will see me pacing back and forth right here. You'll see Rich doing it. You'll see Johanna do it. You'll see our staff do it. We will come in here and we will spend hours 
speaking the truth. I am a child of God. He will never leave me or forsake me. He has called me to this place. His prophecies are true. He will do what he says he will do. And I speak through that stress until it's gone. Why? Because I speak with my mouth and those things get fulfilled. Let's go back. Let's go back to Philippians 4. Back to Philippians 4. I want to continue on this for a moment. I want you to watch what happens. Verse 7, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, we're going to talk about that minute. The peace of God, God has a peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Now watch this. The peace of God goes beyond your ability to comprehend it. That word comprehend in the Greek is actually the word noose. Noose, I think that's funny. I think that's funny because I think often going beyond my understanding is choking out my understanding. It it is noose. Noose means my understanding or the power of considering and judging soberly, calmly, and impartially. What he says is that the peace of God, which goes beyond your power to consider things, judging them soberly, calmly, and without partiality. You cannot comprehend the peace of God, but listen to me. When you get it, you know you got it. The peace of God that passes understanding says this. I can sleep in the storm. Why? The waves are still wrecking the boat. The water is still filling this thing up. We're not to shore. It's going to sink. My life is horrible. Everything's falling apart. I don't have the money. My family's a wreck. Everything's a mess. But I can still sleep because God gives me a peace that he's in control, that he's never going to leave me that he's right here with me in this storm. And he has already said, I'm going to get to the other side so I don't have to stress out about the fact that I'm going to get through this storm because he's here. Let's keep going. 7b. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, watch this, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let me show you something really cool. That word guard in the Greek is frueo, frueo, frueo. And this is what the word in the Greek means, to prevent a hostile invasion. Let me go back and read that again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will prevent a hostile invasion of your heart and your mind in Christ. The peace of, (laughs) the peace of God is what is going to prevent the enemy from coming in to attack my heart and mind. God's peace is going to do that. It will guard my heart and my mind. Let's continue. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, whatever there is excellence in anything that is worthy, dwell on these. What did he just say? Stop talking about the bad stuff. Start talking about the upside. Start talking about the truth and the loveliness and the good repute and the excellence and what's right and what's true. Nine, 
the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. Practice these things. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm going to have this tragedy. I'm going to go home and I'm stand in my living room and I'll be shouting out what's true and shouting out what's right and everything's going to be okay and that God's going to get me to the other side and this storm can't overtake me and the bill's still there. So I didn't get anything. Yes, you did. You got the peace that guards your heart and mind while God gets you to the other side. That's what we need, honestly. What we need in the storm is to know we're going to make it. And that's the peace that God gives you that I will get you to the other side because I've spoken it and I need you to speak that same thing. You speak, I can get you there. I will take you there. I will get you through the storm and you will see that, watch, fulfilled. Mm. Okay, now look at seven. It said, the peace of God. Now go down to nine. It says, the God of peace. The peace of God and the God of peace. Man, he's got peace locked up, man. It's his. It's his. And he's offering it to us. So what we have to do is learn to lay our burdens down and let him get us through the storm. I'll give you an example. Most of you know I got a daughter that's out in California right now. She wants to come home for Christmas. It's going to cost money. She's got a very tight budget to make it through her school year, but she wants to come home. And about three or four weeks ago, she looked on airfare tickets, and they were about $325, which fit within her budget to do. And she called me up, and she said, Dad, what do you think I should do? I said, buy the ticket. She texts back, I'm going to wait. Okay. Two weeks later, they're now $450 and $475. And she calls me up and says, Dad, what do I do? The tickets are more. Watch. Two things can happen. I can turn back to her and say, well, you should have bought them two weeks ago. Or... She can look to me and say, Dad, would you find a way to get me home within my budget? And I'll do it. I'll do it. But watch. If she then calls me three and four times a day, say, what are we going to do, Dad? They're $450. I can't afford that. It'll make me end school early. I don't know how I'm going to buy food. How do I pay my rent? What should I do, Dad? I'm like, did you give this problem to me or not? Because if you gave this problem to me, I'll get you to the other side. Go to sleep. Have peace. Paul says, be anxious in nothing, but with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. Why? Because he's the one that's going to get you to the other side. Do you want to pick it back up? You gave it to him to resolve. And then every day we go to him and say, no, I didn't give this to you. I'm still stressed about it. I'm still worried about it. I'm still hanging on to it. It doesn't work that way, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5. I just want you to think what it's like as a parent to have your child ask you to do something for them and then call you two or three times a day and say, are you doing it? Is it okay? Am I going to be fine? And you're like, chill out, kid, chill out. What is God thinking when you go say, God, I need help. I need a job. Okay, I got your request. Now, you're going to ask me every single day, every three or four hours, what about my job, God? What if I don't have a job? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? What do I do? And God's saying, I'm in the boat of sleep. I'm good. I'll get you to the other side. First Peter 5, 6, watch this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Okay, in, in your and I language, what that says is, Dad, help me out. Humble yourself 
under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in the proper time. What is he saying? That he may fulfill and satisfy what he has called for you to have. Seven, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is why my daughter, if she wants to give me the job of getting her an airplane ticket, doesn't have to worry about it. She's coming home in the right price range. Why? Because she's given it to me and I'll find a way to make it happen. He's saying, cast all of your anxiety, all of your worry, all of your fear on him. Why? Because he cares about you. He's not not listening. What did the disciples say when they woke up Jesus? Do you not care that we are perishing? So my guess is Jesus got up and said, you don't believe in me? Be calm, wind. Be calm, waves. I got your back, guys. And probably laid right back down and went to sleep. Made a point. Cast all of your anxiety on. Why? Because he cares for you. So if I cast it on him, do I still have it? Then stop picking it back up. Cast it on him and let it go. Does that mean I do nothing? No, you do what he tells you to do. I looked at it this way. A friend of mine told me, I don't know, 15 years ago. He said, man, this is how I walk out my life. I do the possible and let God do the impossible. So the possible is I got to ask him. The possible is I got to go put in job applications. The possible is I got to interview because typically when I sit at home, he doesn't come into my house and say, here's your new job. So I do what he directs me to do, but I do it under his direction. So he takes care of that. How much of my fear and anxiety do I throw on God? Pretty clear, wasn't it? Casting all of your anxiety on him. What do I give him? The worry, the worry. I give him the worry. I let his peace guard my heart from worry. I give him the worry so I don't worry about it, but I process through the storm. Do you think they still had to hold on to the boat while the waves were going? Yes, but they were going to get to the other side. Where do I cast all this stuff? On God. Why? Because he cares about you. God cares about your problem because God cares about you. Do I want my daughter out there stressing over whether or not she's going to get to come home? No. I'd rather just solve the problem. God's the same way. Don't stress. I'll solve the problem. Trust me. Eight. Be of sober spirit. This is really unique because those four words are actually one word in the Greek. Those four words, be of sober spirit, are actually nafo. And nafo means calm and collected. He says, be calm and collected, but be on alert. Because your adversary, the devil, he's prowling around like a lion seeking someone to devour. Who wants to steal your peace? Listen to me. When you decide not to take on the peace of God and to let fear take over, you've asked Satan to step in and take the situation because God was giving me peace and you give me fear and I'd rather have your fear than the peace. I 
I'm telling God, I'd rather Satan run this ship right now because he makes me afraid and anxious and stressed. And God is saying, give it to me, give it to me and let me take care of it. And I, you got to get this, I, God, I will guard your heart. If you give the problem to me, I will give you a peace that goes beyond your understanding. People may be asking you, how can you be so calm? And you know what the right answer is? I don't understand it either, but I'm okay. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm okay because he's got it. Now, I want to go back to the tool I'm talking about that's in Proverbs 18. It is called speaking what you want fulfilled. I'm not a name it, claim it guy. I'm not. But I've seen this tool work in my own life because for some reason, when I speak out, I am a chosen child of God to pastor this church. I somehow remember that. And I say, you know, you did pick me. You did. It doesn't make sense to me, but you did pick me. So as long as I'm in that role, then I'm going to do this because you chose me to do this. I get reassured. I get So when I speak it out, he fulfills it in me. He says, go tell them. Go tell them how to use their words. Go tell them how to speak it out. I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying go home and ask for a BMW to be in your driveway in the morning. Because God knows your needs. And God puts the desires on your heart. Things your eyes have not seen and your ear has not heard that have not been to reveal to your heart, the Spirit will reveal to you what your desires are. So when the Spirit reveals it to me and it's a desire of my heart, it's in the kingdom of God. And I can speak that thing and it's going to happen because it's in the kingdom of God and it's a desire to put on my heart. But this is what I am saying. Use the tool. Use the tool when you're stressed. God, you told me you'd never leave me or forsake me. God, you told me to cast my cares on you. God, you told me I'm a son and a daughter of yours. God, you told me you would never leave me. You would never forsake me. So you're here. I know you're here because you said that and what you say is true. So God, I can count on you. You are my father. Over and over and over in the Bible, it says you're my... These are the things I'm saying when I'm marching up and down here. I know you love me. You've already shown. I can look in my past. I can see over and over how you answered prayer. I can see how you took care of things. I can see how you set my destiny. I can see how it worked out. I can see that even in the darkest storms, I got to the other side. So I can trust you in this one because you've taken me there before and you said you wouldn't leave me. So I know that you're here. So I believe you, God. I believe that I can cast my care on you and that you can take this and you can make it happen. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Man, we took, we took a little vote by show of hands earlier. You know what I saw? About 70% of this crowd is stressed about something right now. You've got anxiety. You've got worry. Listen, it's time for the words of your mouth to be fulfilled. So I want you to say it out loud after I say it. I am a child of God. He has promised never to leave me or forsake me. His peace will guard my heart. He only speaks truth to me. 
I have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And just like Jesus, I can speak it out over my temptations, and they will leave because I'm a child of God, because He loves me, because He will never forsake me, because I don't have to be anxious. He's the God of peace. He has the peace of God. I don't have to understand it. I have to accept it. And he will guard my heart. And I will no longer be anxious. Praise God. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Old is the New. The Old Testament is filled with stories that seem amazing on their own, but they also leave questions. If they are history and not part of the new covenant that we have with Christ today, then why do we need these stories at all? What are they for? Could it be that those stories were recorded and saved for us because there is something they can teach us? Could it be that those stories actually help us understand God and the new covenant he has with us? Could it be that somehow those stories guide, teach, and help us understand what God has for us as new covenant believers? And finally, could there be hidden mysteries in these stories that actually give us revelation for today? This new book is available now on Amazon. The podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice? That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.